0: Welcome back to Level Up Radio, presented by Coach Now. I'm Spencer Dennis, and on today's show, really, really excited, I got to talk to one of my absolute favorite people in the world of coaching, training, and high performance, Jim Liston. Jim is the director of high performance and innovation for the LA Galaxy. And after you listen to this conversation, you'll know exactly why he holds such a coveted role. He's an absolute goldmine in the world of training, functional movement, high performance uh feedback and all the things that you would ever want to be as a coach he he's got that knowledge and that experience during this conversation though as we always do we focus on the business side of coaching and training jim is a goldmine there as well he started off as a trainer just like we all do eventually working his way up to owning his own businesses, franchising those businesses, and just being an incredibly successful entrepreneur. So you're going to want to pay close attention to a lot of the things that he says around environment, feedback, how to hire and train your staff, how to build and sell uh, compelling coaching offers, and all the different things that you need to be a successful entrepreneur and coach and trainer. So with that, uh, please grab a, a pad of paper if you can and a pencil. You're going to want to take some notes or at least maybe listen to this a couple times so that you don't miss out on anything that Jim has to share. With that, let's jump into the episode. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. All right, Jim, my long lost friend. Glad to have you back, man, on the podcast. So... It's my pleasure, Spencer. I don't see
1: you enough, but now that I've moved back to LA, I, uh, I'll, maybe I'll even see you in person once this uh, pandemic—I uh, don't know if it comes to an end or slows or we're
0: we're vaccinated—but um, it's good to see yeah. you, man. You too, buddy. You too. So let's let's catch up just real quick. We were talking before we got on, but I think for those listening, it'd be helpful to know um, you recently moved from Toronto back to LA. So maybe you know, give us one or two minutes of what you were doing and what you are doing, and then we can we can jump off from there. Sure. Yeah,
1: just kind of a catch up in 2014, I worked with the Toronto FC Academy. I would travel from LA to Toronto and spend a week in Toronto and then three weeks in LA. And, uh, there was a coaching change near the end of that season. And so, uh, moving into 2015, they created a role of director of sports science. So I spent six years in Toronto doing that and had a lovely time. Um, friendly people, great club, um, had some success, which we all enjoyed and then this year, at the end of this year, it just, um, as the season came to an end, there was some kind of, you hear things that the galaxy, their positions opening up with the galaxy, yeah. LA Galaxy. So I had the good fortune of being kind of right place, right time, out of contract, galaxy roll open. A uh, head coach in Toronto um, was hired here. And and I'm coming as well. So, uh, I'm back. Uh, I didn't home. realize it was like, it was a double deal there. A package deal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Package deal. Um, separate, but together. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm back home and, um, the role expands a little bit. I'll be the director of high performance and innovation. So certainly from the performance side, but then also from kind of the creativity technology side as well. And, and just bring that kind of under my guys and, um, you know, and then just uh, work with the, the you know the winningest club in the history of MLS, five MLS cups. So, and and the club I cut my teeth on, I was a SNC coach here in '98 to 2003. So, it's kind of come full, full circle. I've got a picture with my dad and my daughters when they were six and eight years old when the stadium was just opening here, and now they're adults, graduated from college, and dad's back. So, yeah, so I'm thrilled. Um, so, pumped, it's, man. It's timing. Timing can
0: be everything. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, because the title sounds really cool. And I think anybody listening would go, wow, that's a cool title. I want a title like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. But give, maybe give me the day-to-day of what, mm. what you envision it to be, what it currently is, yeah. you know, because you've been living this, this role for a while, just kind of in a different, uh, obviously in a different location. Yeah. What does a day-to-day look like for someone like you?
1: Well, I think uh, what's first and foremost is that it's a team sport, but we are trying to optimize the performance of each individual. So I think that becomes the, uh, the overall challenges. It's not like tennis or, or golf where it's individual and you're coaching that one player that we're trying to take 30 athletes, optimize their performance. And while the coach wants to have the team perform well, we are trying to ensure that each player is performing well. So whether it's, Data collection, GPS, well being questionnaires, data analysis, nutrition, sleep, hydration, cognitive development, all of those come into this kind of high performance role. So, if you could just imagine that for, for soccer, you're either training or working, or you're recovering from the work and you have the, sure. that's it. That's kind of, that's all you work on. So, then our job is then to try to collect as much information that we find is useful and then try to deliver it to each individual player. So it's customized, customized nutrition, customized preparation, customized extra training, customized gym sessions. And, um, you know, that's it. And It's challenging. So where innovation comes in that it's just being creative is it's problem solving. And oftentimes I think that innovation that seems synonymous with technology, well, technology can help you answer questions, but that's, Innovation requires, I think, creative thinking and always asking questions. Why are we doing this? What should we do? What can we do better? How are we going to implement? And, and that becomes the innovative piece of it. And then, um, you know, getting technology then, whether it's, it's already out there, your AMS, or it's something like GPS, or is it something that needs to be built, and right. then, can you then tie in a digital lab or a technology group then to help you build if you need to, or help you find something in the market, experts in technology that can help us answer those questions? So that's where the innovation piece comes in: is that you're just always kind of searching under the rocks um, to find that marginal gain, and for each player, and uh, and that's that's really what the role is. So day to day, it's managing the sports scientists, uh, the data scientists, the nutritionists, uh, communicating with the medical department, the physios, athletic therapists, massage therapists, and docs that, that every player gets what he needs every day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like you said, innovation isn't exclusively technology, although today we all think of that, right? It can be yeah. an innovation in just the way that yeah. you train or you schedule or any of that, right? Right. Right. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about how you got here because we, we've had tons of conversations. We've recorded mm-hmm. a couple of them. Most of the people that are going to be listening to this aspire to be like you, uh, as far as a position at a, a high ranking club, you know, that's something mm-hmm. they really they're excited about, but they have to get there and right. along, along the way, our audience is going to be more of those skills coaches, those mm-hmm. um, trainers that are exchanging time for money in a lot of ways, yep. right? It's a professional yep. business setting. It's not a salaried position in most cases.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but maybe talk us through a little bit uh, around your origin story again, because we we've done dove into it before yeah uh, but as you were just kicking off i think it's worth reminding the audience that maybe hasn't listened to one of these in a while Mm -hmm. how you cut your teeth and how you started off your entrepreneurial journey because ultimately any coach that's listening to this i always encourage them to think of themselves as an entrepreneur first and a coach second yeah uh, because otherwise their businesses run them and they don't <laughs> right. make any money and they, nobody cares how good of a coach they are anyway. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, uh, and I came, I moved to uh, California in 1992 to work with Rich and
1: Mia Finnegan. They had a company called True Fitness, which was tra- it stood for Training Results Unlimited. And they were doing personal training, one-on-one sessions, um, women's fitness competitions, training athletes and uh, corporate fitness. And, um, so it's in between my last two semesters of graduate school and they, I came from my field work and they offered me a job. So I, I, I was on it. So I was an entrepreneur yep. right from the beginning. It wasn't like they had this whole client base for me. They said, okay, here you right. go. Here are a couple, you can sub for about a month. We're going to get married, go on a honeymoon. And then you're kind of on your own. Hmm. And that's when reality hits, uh, from the entrepreneurial side is that you got to work. You're not making any money. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was at that moment that you realize the thrill of being an entrepreneur, however, the risk. Uh, but then it was a moment of what, am I, what do I think I'm good at? And what do I want to do? And where am I passionate? And who I think I can help? Who can I right. teach? I've always wanted to be a teacher and a coach. My parents were teachers. My grandparents were teachers. I think there's that drive. And then who is willing to pay for it? That's because too. Yeah. that's another question to ask. So, okay, I want to be in this space. I think I'm an excellent teacher. I'm a good listener. I give appropriate feedback. I create a great environment, but they also have to have the finances or the wherewithal to pay you. Yeah. And you could be the best coach over here, but maybe it's volunteer. And over here, yeah. there's money. So you may have to, especially early on in your career, maybe not end up where you're most passionate, but where you think you can be most effective and, be, and get paid for it. That's and a really so, good.
0: That's a really good start, though. Where you feel like you can be most effective, and ultimately, you may train. You, your experience will lend itself mm-hmm. to follow that passion, and you'll get more yeah. credibility. But yeah, yeah. Where can you be effective in the first part of your career is a good thing. In the yeah. first, yeah,
1: and and if you're you know if you're setting out on this journey that you need to make a living, and yeah. so I you know and I and I really I enjoyed corporate fitness, which was adult training and. But that wasn't really why I went back to school. I went to the graduate school because I wanted to teach and coach athletes. Yeah. So, but then, you know, we had this, we said everyone is an athlete. We called them industrial athletes because, okay. frankly, you are, right? If you're sitting at a desk, you have to train to be more comfortable if you're sitting at a desk all day. Sure. And how do you train that person as an athlete? And so we did, we created circuit training and, you know, created an environment where everybody felt included and valued and safe. And that hasn't changed. So the corporate fitness to the pro soccer team, to the individual sessions, it's still about environment and culture um, for sure. Mm -hmm. So then over time, I mean, I connected with a physical therapist in Pasadena, started to take from post-rehabilitation and train athletes. And then in 1996, Major League Soccer started. In 1997, I started to work with Chris Armis, who's now the coach of Toronto FC. The irony of that is funny. He was the first athlete I worked with in Major League Soccer. And then in that off-season, I volunteered to train seven or so guys from the galaxy for free so this would be the next piece mm. for me is if that is where your passion if that's where i wanted to be okay there's a pro club i want to be there i played soccer at a low level but understand this, the demands of the sport and i did it for nothing yeah because i i wanted to cut my teeth i wanted to practice what i thought i knew I, and these these athletes gave me feedback i like this i don't like this this makes me feel this way and i trained with mm. them uh, but I was in it and I knew I wanted to be in it. And I was humble enough to go, all right, I'm going to work during the day to do these other things. But in the afternoons, I'm going to do this for nothing. And mm-hmm. then in 1998, uh, a general manager came out, saw what I was doing with the players. He liked it. And he said, well, Octavio's got to hire you, the head coach. So the head coach came out and and I got the job. And I was the first full-time S&C coach in Major League Soccer. But-
0: No way, I, had, no, I, I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah, I mean- so that role wasn't a- that role wasn't- it didn't exist, but I mean, Vern Gambetta was in Florida, Vern legend in the field, and uh, he was a part-timer, and I remember seeing him in preseason going, man, Vern Gambetta, meeting. he was a strength and conditioning mm. coach for the White Sox in the 70s. I'm like, you're a legend. I read all your stuff, um, and he had a part-time role, and this is the first time in the league that they felt like, okay, this is a role that could be full-time, So, so that got me into pro sports, but I still taught and coached. Um, on the side and then built my own business competitive athlete training zone. We knocked down walls yeah. at the physical therapy clinic. It was 2,500 square feet to 5,000 to 7,000. It was like a Z. It was the ceilings are seven and a half feet, but whatever. Um, it was a place for, for athletes to train. Yeah. And so I, I had, and at that point I'm a business owner and then I'm still, and I'm working with the club too. So if you're out there entrepreneurial spirit, you know, if people say, can you come at six in the morning, you say yes, seven at night, you say yes, because that's right. that's where you are until you then can hire staff and train the staff to deliver your programs. Right. Uh, and that's a challenging, um, that's a really challenging transition because everybody's going to want you because they're spending money because they think they're getting you. Um, yeah. But if your programming is good and it's repeatable, and it's progressive, and it's sensible, and it's effective, then you can then train others. And then, so that that becomes how I wanted to get out of, I didn't want to get out of the day-to-day. You kind of want, I don't want to I work every hour and be the only person, because I'm, I'm not building a business, I'm just building a job, a job that yes. I loved. But when I was off, I wasn't getting paid. If I went on vacation with my family, I wasn't getting paid. So how could I then build... Um, a business which would be teaching and training other coaches so it it went from teaching in the athletes and then the adult fitness to training coaches and creating a training program for them to be able to deliver the programming
0: and yeah there's yeah sorry go ahead no no, go ahead yeah i was just gonna say there's so much to unpack there as far as all the little nuggets that you Mm -hmm. threw around because a lot of times when we're doing our education for coaches here, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about we're dealing with coaches at all different ends of the spectrums, right? Beginners or those that are making well into the six figures, have employees, yeah. et cetera. Yeah. Um, but I think understanding how to go from just you being all by yourself to then mm-hmm. scaling yeah. a part of scaling is mm-hmm. hiring people. But yeah. the only way you can hire people is if your programs are in such a place that they can do them too. Right. It's uh, right it's redundant in a way. So one of the things that we we say, or I say a lot is run your coaching business as if you plan to sell it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just you, yeah. if you plan to sell it, then you need to be able to hand over the business, the keys, mm-hmm. the handbook, yeah. you know, all of right. it. Most coaches don't have the systems in place like that. Mm-hmm. I know you got there though, because you were able to step out and then mm-hmm. move on to something else and the business kept yeah. going. Yeah. So maybe, maybe let's, let's go back a little bit and talk about that programming because that's always a question for coaches across any sport is how to create compelling programs and then how to sell those programs maybe we can kind of dive into both of those
1: yeah i I think and this is a lot of this is by making a ton of mistakes uh so i'll be i want to be really clear that you need to be able to pivot make mistakes move forward but you know when uh it could be let's say it's just a speed program for high school football player just to use that as an example and you've determined that this is a good eight-week program three times a week for eight weeks. You've, you've tested in the beginning, the middle, and the end, and it's proven to be effective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Stop. You don't then need to then create another with a new athlete eight weeks uh, yes. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And what ends up happening, I feel, oh, or, or if it's a, it's a different sport, so, and, and you're trying to be, you're making money. So you're, you're bringing, you got to create another eight week program, but pr- maybe 60% of that, that what you just did could work for this other athlete.
0: Real quick, Jim, hey, how do you charge for that? Right. Is it month, month, do they pay up front? Do they pay installments? Yeah, everything. coaches was, always question about that. Yeah. Everything up front in a block. Okay. So they have a minimal commitment of eight weeks. That's what they're signing up for. Mm-hmm. They pay ahead of time. You deliver yeah. the course. Yeah. Are you then midway pre-selling? The next evolution of it, right? Yeah. So let's if talk. You, let's talk through the steps if you can. Yeah.
1: So, so what I, my point in the beginning was that you need to have breath. Like, I'm sorry, you don't need breath. You need you need depth. Depth. Right? So, yeah. So stop trying to make the next best program. The next best program. If you just had a program that's effective, yeah. learn how to watch and teach better and give better feedback rather than creating new exercises. Because what can happen? We need to coach the skill, not the drill. The more drills that you introduce, the more you have to tell somebody to go around this cone and stop here that they are now thinking about the drill. You're not actually affecting the skill because you're trying to improve skills and it could be just movement-based skills. And every mm-hmm. time you have new drills, there are new challenges and they're learning a new thing that maybe they don't get great. So if you found a program that worked, you stick to it, figure out how to make that, be- that better and then, as you're going through, then there has to be phase two and phase three because you want a customer for you want a customer for life, mm-hmm. frankly. Yes. And so there, there has to be in the beginning. Let's say it's speed, and you may have tremendous results in the first eight weeks, but you know that in month six, those results may flatten and they may drop. Plateau, yeah, and, and, yeah, they, yeah. And, they, and you need to be aware of that. But when that does happen, then there's that you've, uh, you've trained, you've adapted and the dip is that there needs to be a change in the training program if you're going to secure improvement.
0: And are you setting those expectations ahead of time? Like, yeah. Hey, just well, so you know, athlete A, there's going to be a plateau. I've yeah. done this long enough to know there's going to be a plateau right around this time. That's not a point of concern. Right. It's a point of validation. And then we mix it up a little bit. Right. And
1: it's, and like it's a, not the first day because remember, you're just trying, you're trying to get, sure. you're trying to start the program, mm-hmm. um, you know, that they've committed to it. But somewhere through there, and it's, and it's pretty simple that you need to then change the stimulus when mm-hmm. they're, the adaptations may be gone away or you're starting to dip. And then that gives continuity and faith and belief that you are ahead of it. Because what can happen yeah. is you do you you get that drop off and like, oh, I'm not getting better. Well, if I've already set it up that there may be this time, and then, yes. then we're gonna change the stimulus, and then there are gonna be marginal gains. I, I think broad jump is like is a perfect example of this because somebody that has poor jumping mechanics, which I think a lot of kids that the PE has kind of disappeared. So mm-hmm. like jumping off two feet and one foot is almost gone that you can then just, through technique, improve somebody's broad jump. But eventually, and then they get more powerful, it is going to dip, and it might not even get better, but they need to to know that, then you're then going to maybe switch to single leg hop. So you might change the activity from two-legged to single leg. But it's always to stay in advance of what the next step is. Mm -hmm. So if I have 50... Things I want to do. Where I'm, where am I on this line? And then just make sure that the athlete knows in 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 advance
0: that there is an ev- inevitable dip, and then you change you change the stimulus. Well, I think that's a huge point, uh, and and because it gives you credibility, right? That you're a fortune teller of sorts of when it does happen. Yeah, and I think it's important for all coaches to hear to set expectations, right? And you have to decide when and how you do it and what you actually say. Mm-hmm. But I know for me, as I'm coaching golfers, right? They're all coming to me for technical and scoring help. Yeah. I set a expectation, hey, it's gonna, it's not gonna be immediate. Yeah. It's gonna take a few months. Mm-hmm. After month two, you're probably gonna wanna quit because yeah. you're gonna have, like the first couple of weeks, you're gonna have great improvement, mm-hmm. right? But then your old stuff and your new stuff is gonna be blended together. And then about two months in, you're going to hit a wall because you're practicing, practicing, and probably Mm -hmm. feel like you're not getting any better. If you can push through that point, then you're starting to ingrain these newer movements and Mm -hmm. it's not going to be immediate to drop your scores. But we have, let's say, uh, the way that I describe it is like the first month, month and a half is we're just trying to get a shared understanding. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Right. Right? We want to speak the same language. Right, right. Right? Because you're coming from so so far off the other way. So we're going to speak the same language month two or three or however long we're, we're periodizing this is we want to try to be effective in practice mm-hmm. and then we want to be effective in a scrimmage yeah. like in golf it's on the course but with no no tournaments and then we want to be effective in a tournament yeah however long that's going to take is going to take mm-hmm. each each athlete's different with their goal orientation but setting those expectations ahead of time you avoid all these pitfalls and this these this panic yes. right? yeah right and you're selling long-term development and the reason i am so passionate about this is that that's the most secure financial model, Yes, right? You can't be the quick fix coach without all these shared understandings. So I didn't want to hijack it there, but I did want to make sure to point that out that all of this boils down to a business, right? Yes, you help athletes get better, but the only way you can do that is being very clear with the expectations and understanding the business model that's attached to all of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and as, as you progress and mature, Right There are, again, it's looking for, for marginal gains, but then it may mm-hmm. be that you are, maybe you're working on, and, and rarely do you work on anything in isolation, strength, speed, power, agility, separate. However, there might be a different emphasis because you have now, you haven't maximized your maximum strength, but you're pretty close. And then, but it, then we need to change. Then we need mm-hmm. to, you are in a terrific place. You are a master of that. Then let's move somewhere else where you're, where maybe you're not as proficient. Right, so there's always something to do, and a way to improve. If that's that's true with any athlete, and and for us, it's a, as an entrepreneur or a business owner that you want to show that there's this longevity, yeah, and that you have you have been very thoughtful and knowing, as you said it, that somewhere every athlete's different. Step A, B, C, D, it's going to be different for each person, but it's a but it's a long term, it's a long term commitment.
0: Yeah, and the steps are usually. The same. It's just how long are we going to be in those steps? Yep. You know what I mean. So because everyone's ability to pick up new skills is different, mm-hmm. their injury history is different. Yep. Just their amount to amount of effort or practice, right? is all different. But I think those those periods are still the same. Yeah. So let, let's talk about you've you've created these programs. You know they're successful. You're mm-hmm. the one delivering them. Mm-hmm. How do you then transfer? Uh, a new employee, right? You've hired somebody new. We won't talk about the process of hiring; that's kind of a snooze. But more importantly, like, how do you transfer that information to them to where you feel confident to then walk away, but at the same time, you have a level of oversight, right? What kind of things did you used to do, and even now, right? You're you're still pushing training onto new staff members, even at your club level, right?
1: Yeah, I, and again, and it's and, and staff staff people come in and are going to come in with a variety of skills similar similar to the athlete. So I think it's really important as you're looking for staffing in the interview process that you found somebody that cares about people, that values people, that listens really well, um, that's humble, and that can put their ego at the door. Uh, I think that's important. And if you found that person, then where is their skill level? Right. So then that kind of tells you where their skills are and where their holes are. Um, and you've got to decide, okay, these are the programs they understand A, B, and C, but not D, E, and F, then I need to make sure, a, make sure it would be clear that A, B, and C, they're solid, then I'm teaching them D, E, and F. But I, I would always say it comes back to simplicity and simplicity in your programming. Again, you mm-hmm. don't need a 1,000 exercises and a 1,000 things to do because, because you're bored, right? Because you're tired of teaching it. It's what are the fundamental principles and foundational movements that they need and teach those and teach those well and yeah. be disciplined with it. And then it's the, the coaches for us. It's and when it's movement based, it's your eyes or is it video that you're utilizing? Right. That this is what we're looking at. And this is the cue that we use. Cause even just adult fitness, if we said it's a round. So if I did three exercises, I'd say if you do a heart rate, here's the, we go high heart rate, lower body, upper body, repeat either 40 on 20 off 50 on 10 off, depending on what your goal is and how fit the group is. And then that's just the process. I go, I went, I did a skip with a sprint return. I did a golf squat and a plank and I repeated three times. I did three rounds and that's one set. And I'd say, start, stop halfway just using the same language is essential. Yeah. Yeah. It's always start halfway. Stop, rotate, And everybody in your building uses the same language because you might blow a whistle. I may say stop, somebody else may go, hey, hey, hey. Somebody else may say move. Somebody else may say five. And you think they said time. Well, no, you should be saying time, not five seconds. And it becomes confusing in the space. Good note. Actual, the activities and exercises are limited in scope. And then the language that you use has to be the same. Yep. And And if you do those two things, it feels like you have a company or at least a group of trainers that are, are in, you know, we're taught the same or similar yep. fashion, but as they have an understanding of the exercises, the order of things and how you communicate and how you manage the group.
0: I think that's really, really good advice, right. To have, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying about a shared understanding. Mm-hmm. A big part of that, when you bring on a new athlete is teaching them your nomenclature, right. Cause yep you all need to say the same things. You're going to refer to certain camera angles, positions, mm-hmm. et cetera. The same thing needs to be with your staff, to your point. Yeah. If you're running a group exercise and everyone's saying different things, yeah. especially as a, as a consumer of the product, I'm going to go to one class to the next and yeah. everyone's saying different stuff. I'm, it's, it's confusing, right? It's, it's confusing. Um, yeah, because yeah, the businesses I see that do the best in this and one that you know, you visited them a long time ago, Gymnazo yeah. in San Luis Obispo. Mm-hmm. They've grown tremendously uh, even since then and a big part of why is because every single trainer yep. can fill in for the other. It's like yeah. if so, if someone was wearing a mask you wouldn't even know who it is cuz they're just right. so dialed. Yeah, uh, And that's the level of competency that you need to be successful yep. in scaling your business, right?
1: Yeah, and I would I would just add to yes, 100% and then you know that's part of the reason for the success is this, is that the the words are the same. Yeah. That when you're looking at your, your product as a, as a coach, it's environment, content, me, management, feedback. Environment is you greet by name, don't allow nicknames, safe place for people to be. They feel that you're happy you came there, that you create this environment. Could be music, could be lighting, sound, physical, social, emotional environment. The next piece is the content that your, your coaches have to know the content. And that's why I go breath and limited in scope in the beginning and make sure they can deliver one program, two programs. Well, the next piece is management, which is what we're talking about, which is we're using the same terminology, the timing, all of that. And then the final piece is feedback. If I say I'm doing resisted running, it's three things, head position, arm action, knee drive. That's it. There are three checkpoints. That's what you're looking at top to bottom. And all of us do that, not feedback on 10 things, in the words that we use again are the same, but environment content management and good feedback for your coaches, you can always improve your feedback. Yes, of course. When, when we're all 75 years old, we could still look back and go, man, I think I could have used better feedback right there. My, my tone of voice, my posture, what I said, what I saw, all of those things we could always improve. So when we're organizing um, training for staff, you got it goes environment content management feedback. So content's the stuff, Right. But Mm -hmm. you can't create the environment when you're interviewing staff that if they can't build the environment and create it, then it doesn't matter what they know. And it doesn't matter what they manage. And it doesn't matter the feedback if people don't want to go
0: be coached by them. We'll be getting back to the show in just one moment, but I wanted to take this quick opportunity to let you know about some of the educational courses that we're running at Coach now. As the founder, it's imperative to me that we not only provide the right technology, but also the right education around the business end of coaching and training. As you know, it doesn't really matter how many technical certifications you have if you can't package and sell that information and and create a business around it. And these courses are designed to help you do just that. Over the years, we've had so many coaches come to us and say, I need help. I I got the technology, but I really don't know how to, to grow my business, how to hire people, how to market myself. And these courses are designed to do just that. In addition, I'm really passionate about helping coaches understand that it is totally possible to generate six figures of income a year, coaching less than 20 hours a week. Now, I know it sounds crazy, but again, it is possible if you have the right systems, the right technology, and the right mindset in place. So during these courses, we dive into everything from your ideal customer, how to develop your niche, how to build and sell compelling coaching offers, how to market your business, how to use CoachNow like a pro, and honestly, a whole lot more. So please head over to coachnow.academy, that way you can learn more, you can register for some of the upcoming courses, and when you do, please use the promo code LEVELUP That way you save 15% on any of the courses that you take with us now or in the future. So again, head over to coachnow.academy to learn more and to save your spot for any of our upcoming courses. But for now, let's dive back into the episode. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Let's hit on the environment because that one drives me absolutely bonkers, right? I've been in the golf business a long time and because of Coach Now and Edu5 and in the high performance Mm -hmm. coaching world for a long time, but just as a consumer, right? I go to a particular place and because my parents owned restaurants and they were hardcore on the environment, right? They didn't use yeah. those words, uh, yeah. but that's, was clear. Yeah. Uh, it just drives me crazy to walk into, let's say a golf shop or to a driving range and see someone coaching in the environment is just sad, depressing. Yeah. Nobody cares if you're there. They don't know yeah. your name, you know? And that's why these businesses are failing on the simple stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. so let let us hit hard on environment for as much as you can share about that.
1: Sure, and, and I think, I think there when we say environment, you've got to ask people what do you do they mean by environment? And environment goes, oh, uh, environment is and it's hot outside. <laughs> right, right. What, what is in you know what is environment? That global warming, like it means a lot of different things to different mm-hmm. people. But for us, it's, it's two categories. There's the physical environment. There's the, the music that you choose and how loud it is. It's the lighting inside. Is it, is it safe if you're outside or in, in the grass? Is there glass out there, right? There's this sure. physical environment. Is it too sunny? Should I be in the shade? Um,
0: the layout of the equipment, you know, whatever right. else, right? So there's, yeah.
1: this, there's the physical piece of it. And you got to get that right. hmm like if, I, if I'm a training center and, and you come in and it's dimly lit and the music oh. is loud and it's, and, it's, and it's angry, like
0: I don't even want to be there. So you've already lost me on the, the, that part. So that's a such thing. a stickler for lighting and music. When I go to restaurants or anything, it's right. like, I'll turn around right. immediately. Yeah.
1: Yes. If there's this buzzing in the back, like mm-hmm. this isn't working for me. So there's the physical environment and then there's a the social emotional environment. Okay. And they're totally separate and both have to be right for it, for anybody to want to spend money at your place. Or outside if you're a golf coach, like what is the physical environment? Oh, it's an attractive place. It's really well late. I can go there at night. Yeah. Then when I arrive, coach greets me, my name, asks me how my day was. It's obvious like, that they are happy. I'm here. I've been looking as the athlete. I've been looking forward to this all day. I've been sitting at my desk. I've been working. I've been in school and I arrive and you're not happy to see me problem.
0: Yeah, for sure. You're Hey Spencer, I feel you that work? way going to the club all the time. I show up, and right. I'm like, this is more stressful than not being here. Yeah, it, it
1: should be. Hey Spencer, great to see you. Yeah, how the uh, you took the SAT course? How was that, man? I remember taking that. How was it for you? Yeah, I struggled a little bit on the vocabulary. Yeah, me too. And now I we right. have, I care about you because we. It, it sounds so cliche and corny, but you know, people need to feel like you care.
0: And well, right, the old saying is, I don't, the people don't care how much, you know, unless they know how much you care. Right. And I, I, I,
1: but it's, but it's true. And that, that becomes the, the physical and then the social affective domain. But I would just say it's physical and social, emotional, like those two environments, mm-hmm. because you can't even the big, the buzz, you know, is we need a new culture here. Well, culture is the people. Like if you can't get the environment, right, you can't create a culture. Yeah. So that's why that's at the top of the list before when hiring coaches, does it that wherever I've chosen to build my business, physically, does it fit? And then anybody I hire staff, can they create the social emotional environment that that I want to represent myself or my brand or or whatever as a coach? Yeah. If you get that right and your content is pretty good, you're going to be in business a long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: If your content is the best, and your environment isn't, you're not going to be in business very long. Agreed. So it's the, let's spend time understanding motivation and intrinsic motivation, the self-determination theory. And my, Maslow's hierarchy needs, it's it's decades old, but it still matters. that Your physiological needs are met, then I need a sense of safety and, and belonging. That doesn't change. So if I get that right, Terrific. And then your content is where you probably went to school for it. The content pieces, your brain, putting together programs that are effective. And you got to define success through assessment, because if you're not assessing in golf, simple, like the assessment is. (laughs) Pretty simple, but there are other places that it's not as easy, but if you define success through assessment, and as we spoke, there's going to be inevitably a dip. And then you change this, the, the, the impetus, right. You change what we're doing for work, it dips, and then we go. We train to adapt. All of
0: those things are important. Um, so let's, talk, let's talk about the feedback because you're a feedback sure. master, right? You, you're, that's something you talk a lot about. I have a funny story on that, which absolutely mm-hmm. drives me up a wall even saying this. But again, because I'm in the world of golf, and that's where I spend a lot of my time just casually as my own passion, yeah. you know, I see a lot of people coaching or I should say mm-hmm. teaching in this case, cause I wouldn't even call it coaching, but they're teaching somebody. And yeah. I've heard numerous times at the place that I play. All right, so we've changed everything and I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> no notes, no videos. I mean, obviously I'm a, yeah. a coach now guy. So I'm all about quality feedback mm-hmm. and giving people what they need yeah. to succeed. I've yeah. never, I had never, I've been around a long time. I had never heard. So we changed everything see you next time. And then I, I don't the even person... know what that means. Right. <laughs> I watched the person hit one good one as the, the guy leaves. Yeah. And then she's mm-hmm. scrambling to like make some notes on her phone. She hits a couple of squirrely ones and then leaves with her head down. Right. That's like the worst, the worst. So The worst. let's talk the about worst. quality feedback in your world, your world of super high performance. But before we get to that, let's talk about more of the days when you were running the running cats and everything else. Yeah. on how you give feedback to your trainers how you give feedback to your athletes and and, and all of that yeah it
1: i, I think think an sat and i funny i just talked about the sat test specific authentic and timely Ah, uh, okay i like that you're the king of acronyms as well which i, I know about. yeah because yeah because I, I yeah because yeah. <laughs> i wouldn't remember it unless you asked me and then i thought of it yeah. um yeah, specific to to that moment. Like you can't give feedback an hour later or a day later. Like, hey, remember when you did this yesterday? Huh? It's the same no, with parenting, right? You can't punish the kid or give them yeah. feedback. I don't even later remember. In the I don't remember 10 minutes yeah. ago. I don't even remember a minute ago. Yeah. Right. So that's why as you're as a coach, you're you're those teachable moments, you're finding it to be specific. Authentic is it's it's real. Like you can't say, hey, Spencer, here's specific don't overthrow the receiver. You overthrew the receiver. Like, well, well, why? Well, maybe I, I dropped back too far, or maybe I didn't step into the throw. I don't know, but it's got to be, Hey, this is, this is what happened. It's authentic, which means I, I care and, and the timeliness of it right. that next time you gotta, you gotta step with your left or yours are thrown off your back foot. Remember we worked on a, B and C, and this is what, this is why this happened. And yep. that's the job as a coach is what are you looking at? And then in giving it to them in that moment, it makes a lot of sense. It can't be, it can't be later and it can't yep. be vague. Like it's not specific to say, Hey, the ball went through your, <laughs> well, it is specific. why did you let that ball roll through your legs at shortstop, you know, on the ride home? Like it's a disaster. Like I you could think about it. They, they didn't get low enough and maybe your kids went through a growth spurt And he or she just grew two inches and lost ankle mobility and hip mobility and really can't get that low. And it might take six months to get there. So good feedback is you're going through a growth spurt. Um, These things are probably going to happen a little more until you get a little bit lower because you're taller, which is a good thing. And your feet are bigger, but we're going to work on that. And these are the exercises that we're going to do to try to kind of speed up the process of increasing mobility in your ankles and your hips. So you've actually given them good information, not, Hey, after the game, like you you let three balls go between your legs. I didn't just become a bad shortstop. I just grew two inches. and That's the challenge. Can I give it specific, authentic, timely, and kindly really, maybe put a K on the end of it because it's not, it's (laughs) not, it's not a problem. It's just something that as a coach, we're looking to try to find a solution. Why is that? You just grew. This is what we're going to do just try to speed up the process of increasing mobility so you can so when
0: those when you do get a ball hit like that you're more likely to be able to feel it. So within the within that feedback uh pathway that you kind of described there's also so you're bolting on the solution as well, right? So it's not just yeah, the critique with the information and the right. why, you're right. also adding in the solution as well, right? Yeah.
1: And, and I think you use a great yes, you're adding in the solution and you use a great word because it's it's the critique right there. And there's a big difference between, I think I've said it before, yeah, uh, yeah. criticism and critical information. Our job is to provide critical information, which is you just grew, you're having a hard time getting low. We're going to work on hip and ankle mobility. It's going to take a little while, be patient. Or criticism, you're letting the ball go through your legs. Yeah. That's personal. That's right. personal. That's about the person. I feel badly, you know? Can I give them critical information was, this is what I saw. This is how we can improve it. We can be patient and this is how we're going to get better. That's critical information. It's not personal. And that's a huge, that's huge environmental piece too. It's feedback, but then it creates that social emotional environment. If you want to build trust uh, with your athletes, which is essential. And I don't use buy-in by the way, it feels too salesy. Is that you establish trust. Um, you know, you look at that information, you take the personal out of it and you provide the information and then you show that as a coach that you, they can improve and then you'll have more customers.
0: Yep. And how, how did you go about training and giving feedback, uh, to your other coaches, right? Your staff, mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the same, I, I understand the, the language would likely be the same, but what kind of structure did you put on it? Was it weekly meetings? Did you have tr- like, times where everyone was learning something new, you go to a workshop yeah. together. Like, I'm curious how you bumped up everybody's knowledge and kept them going.
1: Yeah, so I would, I would run the workshops because we would teach, um, we'd go to colleges and teach our course, but okay. we were selling franchises, it was 10 day, 10 day course, that was exhausting. Then changed it to the five. And then we would do two and a half days, like a Friday night introduction, creating the environment. And I'd follow that environment content management feedback over the course of, of two and a half days. It's demonstrating what it should look like. Then sitting down and asking what they saw, and they're not catching sometimes the language that we're all using the same language. Mm-hmm. And then we would then take the coaches and then have them put together programming and deliver it to the other coaches. And then then I would give my feedback privately. And then the coaches, I just pull them to the side. And then get feedback from the entire group of okay. how it made them. And I'd ask how it made them feel first. How did that make you feel? And you, you got to be open to kind of failing in front of your peers because mm-hmm. until you're in the middle of it and you're working on timing and you're trying to give feedback and you're trying to manage the room. And this is kind of team training group exercise. It's a challenge. And there's, there are a lot of moving parts and I'll never forget and we had a big 14,000 square foot building in Pasadena. And this guy was louder than the building allowed. And I've never had that before, where most most of the time it becomes your voice is a little bit maybe too quiet for the space and the music is too loud, turn that down. And at the end, I was just, I said, your voice was too loud. And he thought, well, I thought that was motivating. I was like, man, well, it came across as as angry and uncomfortable. And like, it's it's a volume that you haven't used before. It wasn't real. And every coach, even though we're delivering the same program and we use the same um, exercises and management concepts and feedback, you have to make it yours. You can't coach like me. I can't coach like you. So if mine was a certain volume and clapping and intensity, and maybe somebody else was a little quieter and it didn't, that doesn't mean it doesn't work because that has to be authentic. Sure. It has to be your coaching in the way you coach. And I think that could be challenging for coaches in the beginning. They do try to emulate you, which is not a bad idea, right? Is to to Mm -hmm. copy somebody that's doing it successfully, but then, you know, you got to find your own voice.
0: I think you hear a lot of that with comedians, right? They, they emulate their favorite comedian mm-hmm. uh, as they were growing up. They get on stage. They look back at these recordings now and they go, oh, I was just like Seinfeld or I was yeah. I was being yeah. that person, right? Mm-hmm. But then eventually they found their voice. But yeah. there still is a framework that they're operating yes. within, right? right? And same with your world or anybody's world is that you want to give the coaches freedom to operate within that framework, but you need to give them boundaries and let them yeah. know that the, there's a certain place that they can go within yeah. and go and not go without, right. Or right. not go out of those boundaries. Right. Uh, so you, you mentioned something there that you, you skipped over very briefly and I think it's important for a lot of the coaches to understand uh, on, um, franchising. Yeah. Right. Cause the people, there's going to be a certain group in this audience that's listening to this that is looking to go from their location. They've got staff, they're doing a lot of the yeah. things that you're talking about probably going to implement a lot of the things that you're already talking about now, but they want to go to two locations, three locations, four locations. Yep. There's many styles to do that, right? It can be company owned. You just open up another spot. That's what my parents have done for restaurants. Mm-hmm. There's licensing and franchising. Yeah. Those those aren't aren't necessarily the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Licensing right. is the name, the logo and yep. the system, but it's not necessarily here's all the equipment and everything else too. So mm-hmm. maybe talk us through how you expanded what you liked about it, what you didn't, you know, if you were to do it again, any lessons right. you could share?
1: Yeah, I, I would say um, you know, anytime you have another iteration or another facility that something, something gets lost because yeah. the founder or the owner is, isn't gonna be able to be there. And maybe if the, if the facility's close, you can go back and forth, but in the end, um, you go from location two to three to four, something's going to change and and that that becomes a challenge. So I would just suggest to anybody that if if I were to look back that the the size of the space the amount of overhead that you take on is and and your location are two primary issues that you need to look at. And okay. location could be and we would do that look for a density of population Average income, what the schools were like, because there was a certain um, area that we felt like we could plop down in. But then securing space that is big enough to do what you need to do, but not so big that, yeah, you know, it's amazing space, but actually we can't afford it. Mm-hmm. And, and that that is that is challenging. And so if you look at before the pandemic, and you look at something like Soul Soul Cycle, right, wow. that. You can spend a good deal of money on the instructors because the space is tight. You fit a lot of people in there, and but your footprint is tiny, right? And it's repeatable, and you can find the demographics everywhere around the country on where you want to put position this thing.
0: So, well, especially if there's other things like Orange Theory, I think blew up because yeah. they were able to go a few blocks away from SoulCycle. Let's say. Yeah. Right. right,
1: And and they figured, you know, for us, our challenge was we wanted it to be training athletes. So we wanted a big turf space that yeah. made a big footprint that made a lot of expense where yeah. um, or even orange theory. So you've got, you've got treadmills, you got rowers and you got a strength area. So easy. Yeah. You got to keep it small, I'll keep it small.
0: And then you could spend more money on staff. Mm. So, so when I, you, when you were fran, you were, did you franchise though? Was that the mm-hmm. So yeah. you had to get a franchise to go through the licensing process. Right. You had to go through the booklets. Yeah. you know, Is that something you would do again or would you try to do it corporate owned? Like, I know these are in the weeds kind of questions but they're interesting to me. Yeah,
1: and I, I would have, we were training athletes, competitive athlete training zone and we had a really successful adult fitness business. Uh, I would have made a decision on which of the two we would, should focus on.
0: You cannot be the master of two domains. Ah, yes. I say that all the time. So you, you would have been all adults or all competitive athletes, but not trying to do both. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm looking to uh, expand a business again, uh, it would be my passion was with athletes, but financially, if you look at the, the places that are successful, you, you go small, you have good instructors and you don't need a huge space um i would have gone yeah, you're doing
0: like you're doing like 50 yards maybe in these smaller facilities right of turf maybe I mean, I, I
1: think it was is square feet but you have eight to 12,000 square feet and you just think of
0: the rent on that and and well, people- you're saying the successful ones are the smaller ones right because yeah. i'm thinking of gyms right. in santa barbara that i've seen i think it's like p what is it p3 i think mm-hmm. like their turf is small right yeah. and i've seen other like baseball right. academies where they don't take up a big right. footprint but they somehow squeeze yeah. them in
1: Yeah. I mean, and if you want, if you want a big footprint, you're then you're going away from the population that's going to spend money. Yeah. Right. So then you're trying to find that challenge. So I think you would, um, you know, adult fitness, uh, is always going to be there. And then people could come all day long. Yeah. You know, where the the athletes are coming after school and the summertime is busy, but after school, and then, and then if you think of the, the better high school sports that they have gyms already on campus. So it's far more convenient to do your sessions at your high school right after school than to drive to a facility. So mm-hmm. your competitor is convenience and your competitor is time.
0: Well, that's a, it's an interesting thing to be talking about this now, right? As the conversations evolve, because as we're well aware, being in the physical gym space right now or physical training space at all, a cat, anything indoor, especially academies, because we have yeah. you know, golf academies, baseball academies, basketball academies. There are, a lot of these are indoors because they're in urban environments, let's say. Right. It's a sketchy time. Um, fitness, especially, is going online, right? Yoga, Pilates, everything else. It was there, but now it's just extra there, as a really bad way to say it. So I know you're not in the trenches as you were before uh, running these businesses, but I guess just kind of with the lens that you have. Any advice, I guess, for, for those that are trying to operate these businesses in these crazy times?
1: Yeah, I think, um, uh, you know, the gym as we see it, I just don't see it, I don't, I don't see it ever being the same. I think, I either. Um, you know, have sweating, going on a step mill and with somebody that was sweating and then me jumping on and grabbing dumbbells that you and I, that you just t- touched, like they're gonna be a, a certain part of the population that's not gonna find that attractive. Yeah, And the trouble with that is that you lose the socialization of it because now working out in front of a mirror or doing a Peloton class and the instructors are terrific, but you're still by yourself. You're working at home, you're training at home. That's going to be really hard. And I I don't, boy, I I really wish I knew because the socialization part, the idea of the third place was like you had home, work or school, and then maybe the gym. For or yeah. the golf course for you, so Wherever now is, yeah. I'm a gym person. Um, I have home. I now work from home, and now my gym is at home. You've lost two places to socialize. I don't know if that's really sustainable for our mental health. I so I, I I don't know the answer of it. I think people want to do activities with others. Um, in California, it's, it's great because you can go outside. I started playing pickleball like six weeks ago. It's a blast. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's fun. Uh, but you know, where it's indoors and the, and the weather's not great. I don't know what the answer is going to be. Like we can't just be working out in our basement, in our garage or in our bedroom. And then your bedro- your office is in your bedroom because you've got kids. So what is it going to look like? I, I don't, I don't know. I'm hopeful that there's some iteration of the gym or the fitness center that allows the social part of it. Yeah. But
0: you're because right. I think the, the gyms that are focusing on shared equipment, right. Especially expensive equipment, yeah. the treadmills, et cetera, or even the bikes. Right. I mean, that's, you got to clean them all the time versus yeah. if you're somebody that's more of a, you know, a body weight functional movement kind of group where the equipment is maybe you have a lot of it, right. It's like, you, you can have like infinite kettlebells, let's say, and you know, yeah. one for every person. That's fine. That's not hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's going to be, there's going to be a lot of evolution in the business. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I sadly don't know enough about it other than helping people do online training. Cause that's a big part of what we provide. Yeah. But you have to figure out a way to bring the socialization in, in, in addition to just the personalization, mm-hmm. right. Cause personalization is not so hard now, uh, right. because of everything we're doing, but socializing is very difficult. Hundred uh, percent. So as we as we get close to wrapping up, because I know you're going to go get fit uh, in a few minutes, <laughs> go do your thing. Yeah. Um. Let Let's Let's talk just a couple more things, and in, in, uh Let's Let's get specific about your day to day again, where you are now. Yeah. And let's talk environment. Yeah. Right. Because you've just entered a new world, so to speak, a new environment. You're going to have influence over it. I'm curious if you can speak to how much influence you have, what kind of things would you want to bring in? Like if I'm a, an S high performance coach coming into a, a place, you know, what should I expect and how can I, what should I bring with me, I guess. Right. Cause you have to create your own mark or your own brand as you go in. Right. This, maybe the question isn't making perfect sense, but hopefully you understand well, where think, I'm headed for it. Yeah.
1: No, I, th- I think it is. I think you're going to go into a, you go into any kind of facility and, you're gonna go into, a, you know, there are locker space, there's field space, it's soccer, and then there's a gym space. And inevitably, you are gonna, depending on the success or not of where you're going, if you're going in and things are going well, you're probably not gonna change much, right? That right. would be a mistake. I mean, how am I gonna get in here? And if I'm running the ship, the ship's going well, I can only mess it up. And you gotta, really you gotta, high, yeah. <laughs> and you gotta have an ego put to the side and humbly go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ride this and then I'm just gonna listen. And mm-hmm. fair enough. If you're going in where you feel like the, there's been less success and the facility is not as new as it once was, they all get old, then you gotta figure out how you're gonna change the physical space. And you know, it's flooring, it's paint, it's equipment, it's layout, it's flow, it's lighting, It's music, you know, all of those things impact Mm. performance. So so here we we make changes and the season starts and people come in and you walk in and it's different. Yeah. And it's clean and it's tight and it's nice. And you look because you go into somebody's house and it's clean and it's nice, and you have a you have a a, a coffee mug, you're, you're you're asking for a coaster and you're putting on a yeah. coaster. When you're done, you're going to put it in the dishwasher. If you go to somebody else's place and it's messy, you might have a coffee mug, you might put it down on the coffee table and you may leave it there. I'm, maybe I'm exaggerating, but when no, you true. walk into a space, your behavior in that space is somewhat dictated by the environment itself, the physical environment.
0: So, so same coming with... Uh- in- trash in a neighborhood right right if you have a little bit of trash there's probably going to be more because people feel like it's okay to drop it yeah
1: if we come in and it's tight and it's clean and it's repainted and the floor is done and the lighting is brighter and the music is quality it's different so there's a subliminal message that okay this is different and this is clean and nice and this is a great place to work and that, that, that is immediate. Like that's in a millisecond that you've, you've, you've already, you've changed the, the environment physically. And then the social, emotional environment changes in an instant as they walk in the door. So good. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that's where you, that's what you need to think of. Are you trying to make a change? And if so, how significant, or are you going, this ship is rolling. I'm good. I can only mess it up. Let me see if I could, how I can contribute and yeah. pause. It's, there's no rush. So, you know, there's kind of two, two different avenues to go and you have to be able to step back with a wide lens, put your ego to the side and go, all right, what is this? does this moment
0: require? No, that makes a ton of sense. And I guess a follow-up to that would be the people in said environment, Yeah. right? You're the new guy. Obviously yep. you've got endless credibility. That's why you're there, but you're still the new guy, yep. right? They have relationships. The players especially build strong bonds with the the mm-hmm. training staff, the coaching staff. Yep. Um, you're coming in as a package deal, uh, in a way, right. You're coming, you're two people coming from a different team. So there's going to be some somewhat of a significant change in the player's eyes. Right. You've, you've gone from place to place before. So how, I'm, I'm imagining it's similar to what you just said, right? You just kind of sit back and listen, but in your experience, right, maybe there's some advice for others to, mm-hmm. to work towards that building of trust and yeah. communication. Like what kind of strategies would you give someone coming into a new environment?
1: Yeah, well, first I'd say we, we probably have the, all the, the assistant coaches are coming as well. So there are five or six oh, wow. of us that are going to come. Yeah. Um, and I would say, and we're coming from um, a team that we, were, we had success, you did. So, Absolutely. You know, so that, that lends credibility immediately upon arrival that you've gone somebody, somewhere, helped a club that was struggling to be successful. Uh, then those things are repeatable because winning and losing looks and smells different. And granted, listen, you need good players to win anything. We know that. But then all of the support staff uh, have to have certain qualities. So if the question was, if I were going to give advice uh, I would ask questions and I'm, I've met now with all the staff kind of one-on-one with a mask, had a cup of coffee, talk more about family and life and and how they got there rather than what worked and what didn't work. It was really trying to get relationships with everybody and the staff that's on the performance side, the medical side, and the coaching staff that's here uh, just so you get to know them. And that'd be the yeah. start because – uh, once they feel like they can open up, they're going to share what worked well and what didn't work well. And I would say just be be innately curious and patient.
0: Yeah, curious and patient. I think that's yeah. that's great advice. And I think it would it would I would obviously translate to the players as well, right? Because as the players come back, Look, they got to know how much you care. You got to get to know them, and then from there, they're good, gonna so
1: have... staff is listen. They're professional athletes. They got here without you. They got here without me. Yeah. Our job isn't to dictate what their performance program should be. It's you've been successful. What has worked for you in the past? How can we help facilitate that here? And then over time, these are beliefs and this is how we think we can enhance it and yeah. improve it. Um, that builds trust. We're not trying to get, again, buy-in and sales and then, the, you know, this program's right for you. I don't know if it's right for you. Yeah. You know your body better than I do. But if we share, and I'm innately curious and I take my time with pay and I'm patient, I think I can help each one of the athletes. Yeah. So yeah. I, and I think what's hard is when you go into a new situation, you want to put a stamp on it. And then, but yeah. you got to be careful what the stamp looks like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If the stamp is you want to clean the place up and get a pain, like, okay, let's move through this. But the personnel p- piece of it, it requires curiosity and patience.
0: Yep. Yep. Fantastic advice. And I think as we, as we wrap it up, the question I usually ask, and I think, um, you know, it's a simple one, but it, it provides a lot of different answers from people is you can either look at it a couple ways, right? What advice would you give to your younger self coming into the industry? Um, mm-hmm. or what advice would you give someone brand new out of college or just entering the world of coaching, right? It doesn't have to be a sport or activity specific. Um, but what would you share, you know, being around as long as you have and, and, operating in the different environments you've been in?
1: I would give, if I'm giving my advice to myself, uh, once I had established or I've established a niche, live in that niche, um, be comfortable with the boredom of it because to be great requires repetition. It's just like any athlete. Uh, if you're going to work with like we work with 15 sports, if I stick with soccer, be the expert. So dig down deep into who are you, uh, is it, is it um, adult fitness? Okay. It's men age 40 to 50, trying to lose 20 pounds or more overweight that have really busy schedules that are going to work out at home. Like what is the list? Like who is your customer? Yep. Where, where are you going to find money that makes you happy and comfortable and, and satisfies your needs? and also satisfies your desire that keep that you're happy doing it. And that's a challenge. So don't get bored. <laughs> don't try to be everything. I would just say, don't try to be everything to everybody
0: earlier on. Just, just, just tighten it up. Who are that's, you? That's Where do you want to go. What do you want to be? Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I mean, we're running a two day intensive next week and it's all going to be the beginning of it all is, mm-hmm. Your niche, your ideal customer, right? That's yeah. if you don't understand those things, doesn't doesn't matter, right? And right. so many coaches get enamored with, oh, I need better marketing and Facebook ads, and it's like, yeah. well, if you don't know who you're trying to market to or who you yeah. are, and yeah. then the third piece of that is what you're actually offering, right? Then right. every month, every dollar you're spending on marketing is a waste of time. Absolutely, right? right. Or a waste of dollars, I should say. Yeah, yeah. it's just a waste. Yeah. Waste. Uh, of I think that's fantastic advice. And I think if, if I'm recapping our conversation, some things that stood out to me, and maybe you can, you can give me some last minute feedback on what everyone should pick up. But um, Specific, authentic, and timely.
1: I'll tell you right that, after you uh, say it.
0: I like that. that. That's a great reminder already. Uh, but the things that stood out to me big time were the environment and yep. how you spoke about that. I think far too many people disregard the environment. And that could literally just be how things are arranged, how clean it is. Right. Any of that, like me showing up, I am a stickler for trash. Mm -hmm. Like anytime I see something on the ground, I'm put off. I can't tell you. It almost seemed like seems like home Depot is telling everyone to put their trash in front of their door at -hmm. home Depot. Every home Depot in LA has trash in front. Unbelievable. Yeah. What are you doing? Right. How how are you not extending your business outside your front door into your parking lot? Right so that's disgusting so environment's a big deal um, quality feedback and I think mm-hmm. that feedback being the the format that you have suggested I think is a really good one for people to take away mm-hmm. um, being being sticking into your niche and going deep instead of going wide I think those are important elements as well yeah and then I think uh, you gave a lot of good advice about the location and mm-hmm. kind of how you would go from one one location to the next and some of the pitfalls I think fantastic stuff and then how to integrate yourself within a new
1: Mm -hmm.
0: a new group of coaches i think was also fantastic so with that what did i forget is there anything else Uh, that you want to make sure people take away uh beyond that uh i think you hit it i would say maybe
1: just the management piece environment content and feedback you hit environment content management feedback and management is just when you're trying to scale and you're teaching other coaches that you're using the same language and the flow is the same and it feels the same um, that managing the class or the group, if that's what you're working on, uh, is important that it's, yeah. that that's repeatable. And at the eight o'clock class is the same as the nine o'clock or sounds the same. Yeah, uh, that would be, that would be the only thing you missed, which is, it's amazing, man. Your memory, like, <laughs> wait a Do you take notes? It's all up here.
0: Well, retention can be practiced, right? Yeah. You just, if, yeah. you, if you always practice reviewing what you just did, then it'll eventually mm-hmm. stick better. Yeah, uh, but Jim you're the man thank you so much for taking time especially in your Absolutely. new role and uh, yeah we'll put in some show notes I may follow up with you for a couple of other nuggets to share with people but uh, thanks again for your time appreciate it
1: perfect Spencer always great to see you man keep up the great work I love your product
0: all right thanks buddy appreciate you, it bye bye hey there Spencer here one more time I just wanted to leave this quick little message for you and say thank you so much for listening to this episode if you liked what you heard please do us a favor and review, comment, and more importantly, subscribe to our show. That way you don't miss out on any future episodes. As you know, our goal is to help you in the business of coaching and teaching and training be as successful as possible. And you helping us spread the word is going to do just that. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.